In dealing with the subject of the Lord's return, the Bible says the Father knows the day, but the Son does not. Does this statement help or hurt the traditional teachings of the Trinity? Are you ready to face the truth? Face the Truth is the weekly podcast of the Truth Church of Olathe, Kansas. Now here is your host and Bible teacher, Pastor Gregory Riggin. Thank you, Brother Goff, and thank you to all who are listening. I trust that today's episode will be a blessing to everyone who tunes in. As has been the case for the last several weeks, this podcast will be dealing with the subject of the Godhead. I'd like to encourage you to share this podcast with anyone for whom this information might be beneficial. I also want you to know that all of the information I'm presenting in these podcasts is contained in my book, Understanding the Godhead, which is available on our church website, newlifepc.com slash resources. For bulk orders, please send an email to bishop at olathatruth.com. Last week, we discussed the fourth and final biblical principle, which is necessary for understanding the Godhead. Let me quickly go over those four principles once again. Number one, according to Deuteronomy 6.4, there is only one God. Number two, according to John chapter 4, verses 23 and 24, that one God, the Father, is a spirit. Number three, according to Luke 1.35, the Son of God was born of a woman and was, therefore, flesh. And number four, according to 2 Corinthians 5.19, God the Father, the Spirit, was in Christ the Son, the flesh. As a part of our discussion, I pointed out that the Lord Jesus Christ possessed a dual nature— because he was both God and man. I also stated that as a result of this fact, Jesus was both the Father and the Son. Having said that, there's something I feel I must address today before we go any further in this study. I ask you to please get this straight. Those who hold to this biblical doctrine have often been misrepresented by our detractors. They claim we believe the Father is the Son or that the man Christ Jesus was his own Father. Neither accusation is true. We see a clear distinction between the Father and the Son, but it is not a distinction in persons. John 14, verse 10 says, Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Remember that the Father is the eternal, invisible Spirit. Remember that the Son is the visible, fleshly robe which the Father took on. Since the Spirit is not the flesh, you cannot say that the Father is the Son. What you can accurately say is that He who is the Father is also the Son. This brings us to yet another major fallacy of the doctrine of the Trinity. 
By this, I mean the teaching that each separate and distinct person is co-equal with the other separate and distinct persons. Nowhere did the Son say he was equal with the Father. Instead, he said quite the opposite. John 14, 28, Jesus said, You have heard how I said unto you, I go away and come again unto you. If you loved me, you would rejoice because I said, I go unto the Father. For my Father is greater than I. Jesus' clear statement is contrary to the belief in two co-equal persons. For those who understand the oneness of the Godhead, we have no problem with this verse. In fact, it further confirms our message. When we read Father, we think Spirit. When we read Son, we think flesh. Therefore, Jesus was simply saying, My Spirit is greater than my flesh. This is why we can say the Father is not the Son, because the Spirit is not the flesh. Yet the Father and Son are not two different persons. Just as you have flesh and spirit, which are distinct from one another, but your spirit and flesh do not make you two people, so it is with Christ Jesus. His flesh, we call the Son, was not his spirit, which is what we call the Father, yet they are not two persons. Several years ago, I was having a discussion about this very subject with a group of men who had expressed their disagreement with this view of Jesus. Someone else standing close by decided to interject himself into the conversation and proceeded to state that he used to wonder about the oneness doctrine until he read where the Father knows the time of the Son's return, but the Son does not. It was his contention that there was no way they could be the same if the Father knows something the Son does not know. Now, the verse of which the man spoke is found in Mark 13, 32, and says, But of that day and that hour knoweth no man. No, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. My response to the man was, that verse is more problematic for you as a Trinitarian than it is for me. I then proceeded to explain to him that the doctrine of the Trinity states that the Father and Son are co-equal. I asked, if the Father and Son are equal with each other, how can one know something the other does not? That sure doesn't sound very equal to me. This does not sound like two co-equal, omniscient persons when you think about the statement Jesus made. Of course, the Son, the humanity, is not equal to the Father, the divinity. As I just stated a few moments ago, Jesus said that the Father, the Spirit, is greater than the Son, the flesh. As such, the Father the Spirit, can obviously know things the Son, the flesh, does not know. Consider this. In addressing the man who had been let down through the roof, Jesus said he forgave the man's sins. Some of those present began to think within themselves that Jesus had committed blasphemy by doing so. Mark then tells us not only that Jesus knew their thoughts, but he specifically states how he knew them. 
Mark 2, verse 8. And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your hearts? According to Mark, Jesus perceived in his spirit. The word perceived is translated from a Greek word, which can also be translated as new. In other words, the way Jesus was able to respond to their thoughts was because he knew in the spirit what they were thinking. This was not a knowledge he gained through his flesh. He only knew it in the spirit. The same thing is true concerning the day and hour of his return. He didn't have that knowledge based on his flesh, but in his spirit. Just as Peter said in John 21, 17, Jesus knew all things. This principle is also applicable in helping us to understand why Jesus prayed to the Father. Trinitarians mockingly ask us if we believe Jesus was talking to himself. They maintain that the second person in the Godhead was praying to the first person asking for his help. My response once again is that such an idea in and of itself is directly contrary to the basis of the Trinitarian doctrine. If all three persons in the Godhead are co-equal, why would one need the help of another? Prayer is clearly an appeal to a higher power with greater authority. There is no co-equality to be found when the Son prayed to the Father. In fact, it's quite the opposite. Think with me for a minute. If the Son was equal to the Father and was omnipotent as the Son, why would he seek the help of one who was only as powerful as he himself was? The very fact that the man Christ Jesus prayed to the Father proves he was not co-equal with the Father. Make no mistake, any passage referencing a time in which Christ prayed does not show one person in the Godhead praying to another person in the Godhead. What it shows is flesh praying to spirit. To help clarify this point even further, let's examine Jesus' prayer to the Father in the Garden of Gethsemane. Just two verses after stating that Jesus prayed, Matthew quoted something Jesus said to his disciples. Matthew 26, verse 41, Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. When we apply the latter portion of this verse to the person of Jesus Christ, we can draw a concise conclusion. The Spirit, the Father, was willing, but the flesh, the Son, was weak. Remember, Jesus said in John 14, 28, that the Father was greater than the Son. That is, the Spirit is greater than the flesh. They are not co-equal. The entire question of Jesus being both the Father and the Son is answered repeatedly throughout the Scriptures. Last week, I mentioned Isaiah 9-6, which says the Son will be called the Everlasting Father. Another verse that helps us understand this concept is found in Paul's first letter to Timothy. 
1 Timothy 3.16 says, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. The word manifest means to make known, to reveal, or to make visible. God the Father was the invisible, omnipresent, eternal spirit. But he was manifest in the flesh. That is, he was revealed or made known or made visible in the fleshly body, which was justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. That's why Colossians 1.15 calls Christ the image of the invisible God. A close examination of Scripture clearly identifies Jehovah of the Old Testament as having taken on a fleshly body and revealing himself as the Jesus of the New Testament. I don't have time to go through all of the examples in today's podcast, but I will focus on one and I'll deal with more in next week's episode. To do this, let's begin with something found in the book of Exodus. Immediately after their deliverance from the Egyptians, Moses and the children of Israel sang an interesting song. Exodus 15:2, The Lord is my strength and my song, and he is become my salvation. He is my God, and I will prepare him an habitation, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. In their chorus of thanksgiving and praise, Moses and the children of Israel spoke of Jehovah. If you look at your Bible, you'll notice that the word Lord is in all capitals. That means the original Hebrew is Yahweh, or we say Jehovah. Their words of worship identify Jehovah as their strength and their song. Then they said together that he, that is Jehovah, is become my salvation. Now, this same statement is made twice in the book of Psalms. Psalm 118, verse 14, the Lord is my strength and song and is become my salvation. Psalm 118, verse 21, I will praise thee for thou hast heard me and art become my salvation. Moses and the psalmist were not the only ones to describe Jehovah in this way, however. Twice in one verse, Isaiah spoke of it as well. Isaiah 12, verse 2. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid, for the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also is become my salvation. Looking at the original Hebrew, there is a beautiful insight into these verses that our English Bible has hidden from us. The word salvation in each of the above-mentioned passages is the Hebrew word Yeshua. If that sounds familiar, it's no wonder. It's the very name given to the Messiah. You see, Yeshua is the Hebrew form of the English name Jesus. 
With that in mind, let's go back and consider exactly what was said. In Exodus 15.2, Psalm 118.14, Psalm 118.21, we find Jehovah is my strength and song, and he is become my Jesus. In Isaiah 12 and 2, we read, Behold, God is my Jesus. I will trust and not be afraid, for Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also is become my Jesus. How much clearer can it be? My friends, there is no denying the fact that from the very beginning, the Lord our God has only been one Lord. Only one. Not three in one. Only one. That one God, who is a spirit, spoke and worked throughout the Old Testament and then took on a robe of flesh called the Son in order to institute the New Testament. I find it quite interesting that most Trinitarians would readily say that Jesus is fully God, although they refer to him as God the Son, a term that's nowhere found in Scripture. My question to them is this, if Jesus is fully God, is there any title for God which does not apply to Jesus? If you can find any title of God which cannot be ascribed to Jesus, then you cannot rightfully say that Jesus is fully God. My next question is, can you apply the title God the Father to Jesus? If not, then you can't say Jesus is fully God. I opened this podcast by identifying a common misconception concerning the doctrine of the oneness of God. Let me now address yet another misconception. I've been accused of believing in Jesus only. To me, this implies that I deny the Father and the Holy Ghost, which I do not. Because of that, I prefer to say that I believe in Jesus everything. He is the Father in creation. He is the Son in redemption. He is the Holy Ghost in regeneration. This is not three in one. Rather, it's exactly what John said in 1 John 5 and 7, these three are one. In next week's episode, I'll be dealing with a number of other scriptural proofs that confirm that there's only one God and his name is Jesus. Furthermore, I'm only a couple of weeks away from dedicating this podcast to responding to questions on the subject of the Godhead. So please keep listening. Also, please write down any questions you have on this subject. If you'd like for them to be answered in an upcoming podcast, please send your questions via email to bishop at olathatruth.com so that I can have an opportunity to give you a response from the scriptures. Also, I want to remind you that everything I'm teaching in this series is included in my book entitled, Understanding the Godhead. You can order a copy of the book from our website for only $10 plus the actual shipping cost. Simply visit newlifepc.com slash resources to order your copy. Thank you, Pastor Regan. And thank you to everyone who has joined us for today's podcast. 
We want you to know that we are here to help you in any way we can. If there is anything we can do for you, please don't hesitate to contact us. Send your prayer request to prayer at olathetruth.com. That's prayer at olathetruth.com. If you live in the Kansas City metropolitan area, we invite you to join us for our services this week, Sunday morning at 10, Sunday evening at 6, and Tuesday evening at 7.30. For those who cannot attend, we will provide a live stream on our Facebook page, our YouTube page, our Twitter account, and our website, newlifepc.com slash listen. Until our next podcast, take care and God bless.